We good, Tim? Oh, yeah. Okay. You know, I was, I was driving down here, and uh, I, I love this church. I love Tim. I, I love you guys. Uh, you guys have incredible hearts. And um, this church has, like, a lot of potential. But I was, I was praying on my way down here. I said, Lord, I said, I, said, I don't want to be distracted, like, from what you're doing at my church. I said, if, if I'm being distracted um, and I'm not supposed to be here, I need, I need you to really pump the brakes on it because... I just want to do what I'm supposed to do. And I really felt like the Lord confirmed for me on the way down here that I actually am supposed to be here this weekend. Um, with that being said, I, I don't, um, I, I told Tim that in about a, you give me until the end of the week, I'm going to send him an assessment. I'm sure he's going to share that assessment with you. And that assessment's going to be, um, it's going to have some strengths, it's going to have some weaknesses in there. It's going to be what I saw as an outsider who came to a service and interviewed all the, all the staff here. Now, my perspective, my perspective's a little unique because everybody in this room is so used to this room, the culture, the way things are done. And I wanted to introduce you guys to uh, something Jesus said in Matthew 6. I believe it's in Matthew 6. Okay, it's actually Matthew 7. My apologies. It says, Do not judge so that you may not be judged. For with judgment you make, for judgment you make, you will be, for the judgment you make, you will be judged. And the measure you give will be the measure you get. Why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye, but, not, do, not, but do not notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your neighbor, Let me take the speck out of your eye, while the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. And um, I did a series based on that, that parable. It was called uh, Solomon's Paradox. And Solomon's Paradox is actually a real term in psychology. I didn't know that when I came up with the, the name of the sermon. But um, the whole series was about um, Solomon was a man who was so wise, but um, Nathan the prophet was alive, but Nathan isn't in Solomon's story because nobody came to give Solomon wisdom because he was known for his wisdom. Solomon really blew it. Um, he, he's, a, he's actually the one that like, kind of messed everything up. It wasn't his son, Rehoboam. It was actually Solomon. Um, Solomon is the one who introduced pagan worship to Israel and invited that stuff in. And uh, Solomon's also the reason why the, uh, the tribes of Judah actually split. Like, he actually divided the kingdom. And it was a lack of wisdom. And Nathan was there, but he never went and got counsel from Nathan. And he just got used to doing the things that he did. And what he got used to doing was marrying women. Right? Do you guys remember how many women he had? Yeah. And his, so it was like a thousand women. Does anyone want to guess what his love language was? I didn't say it. But yeah, it was going to be physical touch. But anyway. Um, and and he, he destroyed everything. And, and if, when you read his writings, it's like, man, he had, he had so much wisdom, but he didn't have somebody from the outside come in and say, hey, what are you doing? Right? And so, um, I, you know, 
Tim asked me earlier. He said, "Do you do you have your uh, do you have do you have your um, your church assessment?" I just found it, Tim. It's actually in this folder, and um, so I brought in a coach because I, I want to remove the log from my eye, and it takes somebody else to remove the log from your eye so that you can see clearly. And this guy came into my church, and, and he said a lot of things, and a lot of things that he said were as was somebody as the outside. And what I've now realized in my life is that if you if you do not humble yourself, then circumstances will come along and humble you for you, right? I'd prefer not to do that because God gives grace to the humble, but he opposes the proud. And so for me, I want to humble myself before I'm opposed. Does that make sense? So I had this coach come in and he assessed my church and here's some of the things that he said. He said, the signage all over your building needs to be addressed. The building is not guest friendly. He said, training programs need to be instituted in several areas because your people are not trained. You don't have any small groups. Besides that, the whole small group system needs to be revamped. The exterior of the building needs to be completed. It's half painted, half not. It looks like you have two separate entities. The, eternal, the external signage needs to be addressed. There's, there's no directional signs. Nobody knows how to get around, only those who are familiar with the building. I suggest you use guest welcome booth in the lobby and actually have somebody who mans it. He said, I, I suggest a very large and colorful children's ministry check-in booth. And he goes on and on and on about things that he observed that I did not see because I was so used to going to the church that I had helped build from the inside out. And you know what that church was for me? It was perfect. Everything about my church was perfect. I loved it. And I didn't, I didn't see the need for any change at my church, but somebody from the outside came in and said, this is what I see. And I couldn't see what they saw because there's a giant log in my eye. Does that make sense? So for me and for this weekend, as I've been talking to people, and thank you guys so much for, for talking to me and, and just kind of interviewing people and trying to get a pulse and just praying and just saying, God, you know, what, 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 is, what is the next stage of life look like at this church? I just want to write down some strength for you guys. There's, there's, a, there's a great core at this church. Like the core loves Jesus, wants to be like Jesus, wants the church to grow, loves Tim, loves his teaching, and really wants to see this church reach its potential, right? You guys have a great facility. Like, this facility is awesome. This room is awesome. I love it. There's some things that I, I, would, I would change, but like this space that you guys have is sprawling. People would kill for that back room that you guys have back there. Like, not many people get to have that, let alone like these kinds of ceilings, this kind of woodwork, this, this much space, a lobby that's actually that big, an entire basement that's downstairs, yep. right? My, my building is an old elementary school from the 1930s. So we've got space. And it was a beast to get on top of as far as to actually make improvements instead of doing maintenance. You know what I mean? Like, it was, it was hard. But we're, we, we got there. Um, so there's talent that's here. 
there, there's a lot of talented people. There's a lot of gifted people. So it's not like, um, like when you come in here and you experience the service, like Tim is a, is a gifted teacher. The, the worship team's talented. It sounds, sounds pretty good in here, you, you know? Um, the youth, youth group is thriving. Like there's a lot of good stuff that is happening, like in this church. So the, the main ingredients are here, okay, for this church to just take off and thrive, like, like it really is. Now, there's some things that are, that are missing, okay, and there's, there's two really obvious things that are missing as an outsider. Now, I'm going to tell you my experience. Now, you, you might say, well, Adam, I disagree with your experience. You can't because it's mine, <laughs> all right? So when I got here, I walked in, right? And um, the first thing that I noticed when I pulled up is that your outside sign doesn't actually advertise what time your church service is. Did you guys know that? That's a good point. I never even thought about that. Yeah, it just says Gateway Church, and then it's just vague. Now, there is a, a time in which it seems like closure is being handed out on a Saturday if you're coming this way. But on the other side, like it, you guys don't... The one thing that is advertising this church actually doesn't tell people what time it is. So if I'm driving by and I see the church, it's a really nice sign, it's a really nice icon. It looks kind of modern. If I'm riding by the church, a lot of open space, like you can't really miss it. And I'm like, oh, that's a church. I wonder what time this... You just drive right by it, right? So the, the one main thing that you guys have advertising actually isn't advertising to your community what time services. Did you guys agree? Yeah. That was my experience, right? So I want to talk to you guys a little bit about guest culture. And I'm not talking about a seeker-sensitive culture, okay? Because there's things that a church will bend on, and then there's things that a church won't bend on, right? I'm never going to bend on the Holy Spirit, never going to stop talking about Him, never going to stop expressing the gifts of the Spirit, never going to apologize for the fact that we're a charismatic church, okay? But I am going to bend when it comes to me talking over people's heads in charismatic terms. I'm actually going to explain to people what's going on because I don't know if everybody in the room is charismatic. I don't know what background people are coming from. So when I get up on the stage and I speak, I'm going to try to do less content and explain more of what's actually happening, if that makes sense, okay? So my first question for you guys, for your guests, will you put the time of your service on your front sign? Or do you want to keep it secret? <laughs> okay. I was thinking the way we have it now, we might as well just put the word deal with it. Deal, just deal with it. <laughs> All right. So you guys can bend. You guys can do that. Yes, okay. All right. The next thing that I experienced when I parked is, and, and gosh, that's such an expense, and, and maybe 100 people from now we can worry about paving the parking lot, right? But like, so I pulled up, and I, I'm like, okay, um, if I'm a guest and I'm pulling up, like, that looks like the main door, but there's no parking there. There's handicapped parking over here, and then there's some parking over here on that side of the building. And then there seems to be what looks like maybe also a main entrance on that side, or should I go through the front? You know what I mean? So I don't really, if I'm a guest and I've never been to church here, and the parking lot is even somewhat full, I'm going to pull in. I'm probably going to enter through those doors. If I enter through those doors, I'm going to be not lost, but I'm going to just feel awkward because there's probably no, nobody over there, right? So 
Do you guys think that on top of maybe putting out the time, that then we could also maybe put some like welcoming signs outside or welcoming banners or, or the flags or something to let people know that like this is the main entrance or like even I call them a hot dog sign, an A sign, where it says main entrance. Just something to communicate to people so they can navigate the building who have never been here before. Now you guys don't need that. Everybody knows that's the main entrance. How could you not know that's the main entrance? Oh, I don't think anybody has a main entrance. Probably as many people through the fellowship hall doors. As, as the front doors? Yeah. Okay. Which parking lot you Gotcha. You could, as long as people are welcomed when they come in. Exactly. Okay, so these are your ideas. These aren't my ideas, no. That, 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 the greeter team, right, is, well, why, like, why do we need to greet anybody? Everybody, we greet each other in here. We all know each other. I know. When I walked in, now I'm somewhat known by some people. <coughs> Excuse me. So some people know me, and they know to come up to me and say hi, and that's Adam, and I know him, right? But some people don't know me. And so... When I walked in here on a Sunday morning, I walked back out on purpose just to come, kind of come back in and just experience it again. What you end up experiencing is you walk up, there's no greeters. You walk into the lobby, there's nobody, there was nobody in the lobby. I believe you were in the lobby, your back was turned, you were working on the coffee, okay? And then you walk in and then you kind of see a group of people hanging out together and you really feel like you're not in it. You know what I mean? Like that's a group in there and I'm out here and I'm gonna walk in, and I'm just gonna kinda of take a seat, and by this time, you, you know what I mean? It's not, that, it's not that you're unfriendly, it's that you're so friendly with each other. Do, do you know what I mean? That, that, that people are gonna feel like they're not apart because of how much of a family everybody is. And that's not bad, and you might say, well no, we do say hi to people. If people don't get greeted right away at the doors, I was telling Tim this today, what ends up happening, this happens all the time. You walk in and your first experience is going to dictate the rest of your experience. So if you walk into a church and nobody is saying hi to you or greeting you, you're going to filter the service through the lens of what's wrong with this place because I just felt like I experienced something wrong already, so now I'm looking for what's wrong. If you walk in and you experience something right, you're gonna to start to look for what's right in the service and try to find reasons to come back or you're gonna to try to find reasons to not come back. But it all depends on that three minute journey into the sanctuary, you've put on certain lenses to view the rest of the service. Does this make sense to everybody? This happens all the time. Do you ever go to like a car dealership? People don't go to car dealerships anymore. So maybe that's a bad analogy. But if you, go to, if you, go to a, if you step on the lot of a car dealership and the person comes out and they, they're kind of shovey and pushy, and they want to like really like you know show you around and sell you, you probably aren't going to buy a car from there because your your first experience is going to dictate the rest of your experience, right? So that that is huge. The next thing, let me get my notes here. Is everybody okay? All right. Don't put me on this thing to my left here. How do you greet? Well, you take, you gotta have friendly people, 
And like people that like smile, like I, I was telling your wife this, I, on a, my, the guy who came to, to our church said, you should have parking lot greeters. And I'm like, I don't want to put together one more team. We don't have enough volunteers to fill the spots we already have, right? And um, so what I did was I went outside on Easter on a day when I knew that we'd have people who didn't know who I was, right? And I just stood there. And like, you know, Ogons, when you come into the church, you come in on the south entrance side. I stood there right there because that's the only way to really get into the church. And people came in and I would go like this. Right? And they'd drive in. And they would smile as if like they just heard a joke. And like usually the wife would be like, and wave back at me. And they were like, I've never seen people so excited. And then your wife was telling me about Walmart greeters. Like there's just certain Walmart greeters that just get you pumped that you're at Walmart. You know what I mean? Because they're just so like, like friendly. Not everyone, some. Some, some of the Walmart greeters. So just having that experience, like that being like, I just experienced Gateway and someone just said hello to me in the parking lot and they actually seem excited to see me. It almost seems like they're expecting to see me. Right? Because guests know if they're expected or not. Guests know if they're invading or not. Mm. Right? So all of a sudden, someone's in the parking lot saying hello to them. They're walking up. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you. Come on in. They come in here, and this is what I was telling Tim today. Um, it didn't seem like a big deal, but it, 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 just, it just was. Because sometimes we hit walls in our numbers and our barriers, and we stay there for a while. And it's like, how come we can't like, grow? Like, why? What's, the, what's the problem? Well, sometimes you have to be just intentional to push through it. Right? And you have to be intentional in excellence and also turn towards the guest culture and just examine it. So one of the things that he told us to do was get lanyards that say, welcome to praise. And they're orange, like this. And this was so simple. And so our greeters have on orange um, lanyards with a big thing here that says, welcome to praise. And what it, that tells people, it tells our members, don't talk to me, I'm actually doing a job this morning. And it tells guests, my job is to make sure that you feel welcome. So sometimes when a guest comes into a place, into a church, like a lot of people will go over to them and be like, well, hello, how are you doing? Yeah, nice to meet you. And they can feel smothered, but if they know that's your job, they just take it on a lot more easier. And they say, yeah, you're doing your job. This is your job is to say hello to me. Well, thank you for expecting me that I'm here today. And you just, they just shake their hand and welcome them on in. And, and they come in here and all of a sudden, like, they have different lenses on to experience the service. And now, instead of trying to figure out why they don't like Tim, they're trying to come up with reasons why they like Tim. Why? Because their first experience was the best experience. And they have on, I like this church lenses, instead of, let me pick this church apart. Does that make sense? Because your, your, vision, state, like your vision statement, I believe, is it be disciples? No, that's mission statement. Mission statement. Be disciples, make, disi make disciples, right? Okay, so that's what I'm interested in. And what are we willing to do to make disciples? So the Sunday morning is always going to be your, vet, your best evangelistic po post as far as the capturing people in the community, right? Uh, people are going to invite their, their, hopefully, people who need to know Jesus to church. Right? And if, if, I'm, if I'm God, I'm not going to send people to churches that aren't expecting guests to show up. Uh, it kind of makes sense to me, right? 
but even, even if, if this leadership core would begin to, well, what if we do all this stuff and no guest shows up? Well, what if they show up next week, right? Well, what if only one guest shows up? Well, then the odds of them staying are actually a lot more likely than if they don't. But like, you have to start somewhere. Like, it has to start somewhere, right? So when they come into this place, okay, I'm just gonna throw this idea by you. At our church, we have three positions on a Sunday morning. We have the person who's doing the message, we have the person that's leading worship, and then we have the person who's hosting. That's Sunday morning. The reason why we do that is because we know, like, we're not gonna bend our messages, we're not gonna soften our messages so we're seeker sensitive, we're not gonna soften our worship and hold back in worship, right? But we still want guests to um, feel like they're seen, welcomed, and noticed. So we came up with this third position. It's called the host. We did this stuff anybody. We just weren't intentional about it. So you guys might disagree with me, and that's okay. Um, we do some things for our people. Uh, the main form of communication for our people is video announcements. Our video announcements are for our people. The host is for our guests, and this is what a host does. On a Sunday morning, the host comes up and says, welcome to Gateway. My name is so-and-so, and I'm your host this morning. And I, if you're a guest with us, I am so glad you're here. See how I'm not talking to the people? I'm not talking to them. I'm talking to guests. Because my people don't need me to talk to them. They know this is Gateway. They know we're about to have church. They know everything about me and this place. They don't need me to talk to them. The guests need me to address them. So I get up here, or the host gets up here, and guests, we're so glad that you're here. Welcome. We're glad that you're going to worship with us. Um, this Sunday, we're excited. You know, This is what Tim's going to be speaking about, and we're going to get ready to worship here, and we are just so glad you're here. Let's pray before we worship. Would you stand with us, Father? We just thank you, this, and then we pray, and then they get done praying, and the music starts. So that's before the first song? Before the first song. That song goes, and then, for announcement, the host comes back up. Because everybody knows where the offering plates are and, and, what, and the communion and, and all that other stuff we do. The family doesn't need to know the family business. They are the family. They've been doing the business for a long time. The host comes up and says, guests, if you're with us, we just want to welcome you again. Thank you for joining us. Um, there is an offering basket in the back. No pressure. Um, guests, you know, blah, blah, blah. This is other ways that you can give. Um, thank you. We're just so glad you're here. Then message comes up, Tim speaks. The host comes back up to close the service. Host comes back up and says this. If you're a guest with us, we actually have, and it's the last thing they say, right? If you're a guest with us, we have, in your guys' case, we have a blue card in front of you. We'd love to fill that out. Um, I'm going to be in the back of, of the church, and they see me. And they know I've been hosting them the whole time. They're very familiar with me. They know my name by now. I'm going to be at the back of the church. Tim's going to be at the front of the church. If you'd like to say hi to our pastor, we want to encourage you to do that. Come up. You can shake his hand. I'm going to be in the back. If you want to bring that blue card to me, I would love to just give you a small gift, whatever that is, and, uh, and just say thank you for coming. If you guys want to get plugged in and take a next step, here's how you can do that. Just hand that card to me. I'll be in the back right there in the lobby. Thank you guys so much for coming. Bless you. You get it? Yeah. Like it's, I feel like almost everybody struggles getting them to stop talking because they're so afraid to be. <laughs> well, this is what you can do. Okay, that's partly why we skip the welcome before the singing. Yeah. We just start. Mm -hmm. And we know that first song is going to have some talking there. Connection. 
So you're, you're, uh, we're talking greeters, we're talking hosts, we're talking connection. The one major barrier, which I think everybody kind of already knows, is the children's ministry and whether or not there's going to be one or not. Okay. Here's the thing. When, when people have children, they, they want to take their kids and they do want something age appropriate for them. Right? And a lot of times when people come in here, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't come in here with my four-year-old. I could come in here with my eight and my 10-year-old. I couldn't get my four-year-old to, to be okay for 90 minutes and be respectful to everybody else in the room. Okay? He's a madman. I love him. I'm trying to grow as a parent. I thought I was an awesome parent with the first two. But then I realized it was just their, their personality is awesome. You know what I mean? This third one, through, through, through a, uh, he gave me these, these guys. So I'd be challenged to attend your church with my family. Do, do you know what I'm saying? So like that, he needs to be engaged. And then some people are called to children's ministry. Some people have a calling on their life that they're supposed to be training children. And those people cannot fulfill their calling without it. Do you know what I'm saying? And, and with, so without the children's ministry, and this is what I told, this is what I told Tim, and this is what I'll tell you guys. Between the greeters, let's just say you have four greeters every Sunday, and let's just say you have six children helpers every Sunday, how many is that? Times it by five, you'd have 50 more people at your church. Well, for every volunteer you have, it times it by five. Your volunteers support your congregation. Your leadership supports your volunteers. So this would also cost you two more leaders, leading those two ministries. But out of this 50, there are people that are called to children's ministry in there. There are people who actually are called to birth ministries out of here. There's so much potential that's in that 50. But like, so this is something else I had to just come to the conclusion. Everything in my life is because I sown something and so I reap something. You're always like stewarding the prelude of opportunity is a, is a phrase that came to me one day. You're stewarding the prelude of opportunity every day because today you're sowing something and you're going to reap that tomorrow. Good or bad, it's, you're sowing it. If you want to sow excellence, you'll probably reap excellence. If you want to like, sow sluggardness, you're going to reap it, Right? So whatever we're currently doing is what we're currently getting. But I used to be under the mindset that I thought, like, through time, time is the answer. Like, if I just keep doing what I'm doing, in time, I'll get the results that I want. Have you guys ever tried that? Yes. With dieting? Has anybody tried that with dieting? Time does not get rid of your belly. She has not? <laughs> I'm still learning it, I guess. Um, so this, there, there was a, there was a, this is like stage one for me. This is just me being vulnerable. When I, when I became the senior pastor, I was like, this church is going to be awesome. I'm now in charge, and I'm awesome. So now everything will be awesome, and it's just a matter of time. Well, what happened? The church shrunk. It just shrunk on me. So here you think the answer is time, but time is not the answer as much as experience and especially learning. That's what I needed. I needed some experience under my belt. I needed to learn. Stage two, I needed to work harder. That's what I thought. I said, okay, 
That's it, I'm gonna work really hard and the harder I work, the better results I'm gonna get. The only problem with that is that the majority of the results you are getting is because of who you are, not how hard you're working. You guys carry lots of natural talents and ability and a personality. And a lot of what you reap is because of already who you are, not how hard you're working. So what I mean by that is you can work hard and you'll maybe increase 120%, but you work 200% harder than you did before. That doesn't seem fair. You know what I mean? So um, it, like when you go into a job, they typically say that because of the Pareto principle, 20% uh, of what you do is because of 80%, gets 80% of your results. That's, that's a phrase they often work a lot. It's not that I needed to work harder, it's, it's that I needed to get better. I needed to increase my capacity as a leader. I was this kind of leader, but I need to be this kind of leader. That's what's gonna get me results. Stage three for me. So you become a better leader, but you still have weaknesses. Well, if I'm a better leader, then everything will go right. No. What you really need is a team. You need a team of people around you that are helping you because you have weaknesses that you can't do anything about. God set it up that way. We're a body, and uh, a hand isn't meant for running, and a foot isn't meant for grabbing. Some people can, and it's gross, but you guys get what I'm saying. So we're a body, and we need each other so that we don't fall into our own bear trap. Like, I, I, can, I can dump my weaknesses out in front of you. I know what they are. I've built my teams based on my weaknesses because I, I know that I'm not an administrator. I know that I'm not a systems guy. I know that I, I sometimes struggle and I have to have self-afflicted deadlines that I tell other people about that are checking in with me and saying, did you do this because you said you were going to? And I was like, oh, I'm doing it. I'm definitely doing it. You know, so I, I know all my weaknesses. Yeah. So you're saying you thought time would be the solution. I'll just keep plugging ahead. Time will, it'll, it'll, it'll come around. Yeah. And it was wrong. Yeah, we, yeah. And then you thought working harder was the answer because time didn't do it. Mm -hmm. So you worked harder and that wasn't it. Mm -mm. And then you thought, I just have to fix my weaknesses and that wasn't it either. So what it was is you did need to gain wisdom through what you had experienced and learn some things you didn't know. You did need to get better at some skills. Mm -hmm. and you did need a group of people around you who were strong where you were weak. That's what put it over the top. So yes. So I did learn that this is silly and I did did become have a better work ethic and that stuck. And I did become a better leader and that stuck too. But when I finally realized how desperately I need a team, that's what put me over the top. Do you know what I mean? So um, there's you, you and your husband are in the youth, right? And how many volunteers do you have? Three. Three. Um, so there's five of you all together? Is there anybody else that helps? I mean, like we have every time the people like help with a meal or the church helps with providing snacks, but mm -hmm. not like yeah. some of the kids help clean up. Yeah, kids. Yeah. So like like if you take like you might say, well, why why is the youth ministry doing so well? It's because there's a team. There's a team there. And the team is committed, and the team is at least filling in everyone's bear trap so that there isn't one. You, you, you know what I mean? Okay, you guys good so far? Is everybody okay? How many people do you have serving on your teams? Okay, so. Do you encourage that? Do you not encourage that because you don't want people to be 
Uh, um, I'll tell you this much. So we, we let people decide for themselves what's too much. But I say this, our call to volunteer is so small. The, the, the least amount someone can serve is one service. We do two services on Sunday, one service every four weeks. That's our requirement to serve. 80% of our congregation serves. And we need them to because of how many volunteer spots we have. So um, we're a church of, we're a church of um, uh, 550, between five, 550 is normal, 600's high, 500's low, right? Guess how many volunteers we have each service? You said 8%. No, no, no. 80% of the people volunteer. How many, oh, okay. how many positions do we have 50. at each service? We have 50 people volunteering. We have about 55, so there's like 250, 275. Yeah. So, but did that happen overnight? It didn't happen overnight. Who came up with that idea? Mark, Mark Heidel did, the children's director. He said, guys, because he burned out doing children's ministry. He was up there both services every Sunday. He never came down. No one ever saw him, right? And he said, he took over the children's ministry. He said, we're not doing that anymore. It's once every four weeks. And when you come and serve, it better be the best children's service you've ever done in your life because you're only doing it once a month, right? So he came up with the schedule. And then we saw his ministry take off. And we said, why don't we all adapt it so that husbands and wives can volunteer on the same week and they can have the same schedule. Tech booth took it over. Worship team took it over. Um, the greeter team took it over. So we have 100 people that help out in the children's service. It takes 100 people to pull off that four-week schedule. Uh, we have three people in the seven classrooms that we have on a Sunday morning. Then we have, um, but again, it didn't happen overnight. It just doesn't happen overnight. Then we have, we have 100 greeters that are on the greeting team. That, that's the coffee, the greeting team, and the, um, the parking lot, and the ushers. So that's, that's a 100-person team, you know? And... We really push volunteering because it's not a very high commitment whatsoever. It's like our first step to connecting to our church. All right, you guys ready? So signage is another thing. Now, you might think to yourself, why on earth would people need to know where the sanctuary is? Why don't they just take seven steps forward and look to the right, right? The more signs that you have, the easier it is for people to navigate the building. The easier it is for people to navigate the building, the more they don't feel like a stranger. No one wants to ask anybody where the bathroom is, ever. Correct. They just don't, because they don't want you to know they have to pee. Exactly. You know? Ah, you don't know me. I have to urinate. Come on. Yeah. The next thing that, that I see that would be helpful is the mission and vision need to be up visually in this church in certain places, in the bulletin, on a slide, painted on the wall, wherever. But when people come in here, they need to see what you guys are about without being told what you're about so they can feel like they know what you're about, right? So what would be awesome is if, if nobody was even here, that somebody could walk into the building and be told by your walls who you are and what you're about. That's the goal, right? I told Tim this, and, and we did this, and this was really helpful. Um, everyone has experienced life at Gateway. People know what the life at Gateway is. Guests do not know what Gateway is about. 
I would put up high quality canvas photos of life at Gateway. Whatever you guys do, whatever you're about, handing out clothes, high quality colored photo, canvas. How big? Ours are, ours are this big. But we have a hallway that just goes and goes and goes. We had to really fill the space. But like, it's, they're really nice. We had, we had hundreds of pictures we picked from. We went this one, this one, this one, this one, this one. Um, one of them has um, our, our food ministry. We, ha we hand out food every Friday, right? So there's somebody handing somebody a bag of groceries. Our children's ministry is up there. We really value kids. Our youth groups are at, at the front altar with their hands lifted, you know? That's there. We, we just have different captured photos of, of different ministries and what we're about. So when people walk in, they, they feel like they get a sense of who we are without having to experience who we are. So by the time they get to the sanctuary, they already feel like they know us and they haven't met anybody yet. Does that make sense? I wrote down, a home culture is there's no need to address guests Sunday morning because it's a family time. Guests might feel like they are invading someone else's house if they are not recognized early and often. Acknowledge the guests, already went over that with you. Also explain, don't talk over guest heads. Um, like if you're gonna use, use, if you're gonna talk about spiritual gifts, explain what the spiritual gift is so they understand it. I said this about my church. I, I, I hate doing it, I get so annoyed with it, but I explain what a word of knowledge is every Sunday because every Sunday we release words of knowledge about what God wants to do during the prayer time. So what we do at our church is we have a, um, the, way that we, the way that we do it, because we kind of relaunched ourselves. You know, um, right before, probably like the first few months of COVID, we were in the middle of a relaunch and then we closed for like six weeks. But um, what we do is we do a song on Sunday mornings and that song, and I, I wish 80% of the people are there when we start the song. Maybe no, that's exaggerating. 60% of the people are there. By the middle of that song, 80% are there. And by the time we get done with this portion, most people are in. But I'll get up there on a Sunday morning, and I'll, the first thing I do is explain why we're here. Well, why are we here? Well, on Sundays, this is why we gather, to encourage one another, actually spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And we're here to equip one another. We actually come to church to deny ourselves and die to ourselves. So we're here to make what's most important, most important in our hearts. I'm so glad that you were able to join us this Sunday and that we actually get together and start our week out like this as a body. And then I get into this and I say, and guys, if you're a guest with us, we take communion on the first song. This is what communion is. This is what his blood means. This is what every it, Sunday. Every Sunday. This is, this is what his body means. And if you're here and you haven't accepted Jesus, let me just tell you, this is why you need to accept him. Because one day you're going to stand and give an account to him. And he's made himself known to you. And if there's anybody in here who hasn't made the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the Lord of your life, we have a prayer room right over there. The lights are dark. That door is open. There's light coming through it. Over there is our prayer room. We want you to go over there and just sit down and just say a prayer with somebody and start your journey. And, and then um, after that, I'll say, guys, we prayed. We have an intercessor team. That intercessor team prayed for you guys this week. Here's the intercession. We have our intercession words in by Wednesday. Huge slide comes up, all the different things that we felt like, whether it's discouragement, whether it's a left hamstring, like right eye, like all that kind of stuff, right? All the list of things that are not in the kingdom are up there. And we say, if, if any of that is you, come on back, even if it's not you. Guys, God's doing cool things back there. Let me tell you what he did last week. Last week, there was a person who actually strained their rib during COVID. They were coughing. And uh, they had a 10-year-old boy who we had back there in the prayer room lay hands on them. That next day, they got off their medication. They had zero pain after having pain for two weeks. Yeah. 
because like we're excited because God's doing cool stuff, right? But I never tell people to go back and get prayer without sharing what happened in prayer. And if you don't know what's happening in prayer, that should bother everybody because if you don't know if nothing's happening, how do you even know God's doing anything? So you used to, I'm interrupting, I'm sorry. Go ahead. You, you used to have prayer at the front. Why did you choose to move to prayer rooms instead? Because nobody wants to, like, nobody who's a guest wants to come and stand in the front. Mm. You know, and towards the end of service, the problem was um, it might just be a York thing, but people are very like, okay, service is done. You know what I mean? And they just walked out to go get their kids, you know, and it's lunchtime. So I felt like God, the Holy Spirit, gave us permission. I said, well, Lord, I don't want to interrupt your worship. And he said, the goal of this service is that people encounter me. Send them back to the prayer room. I want them there. Prayer room, how many people are are working the prayer room during the singing time? Okay, so I was put in charge of this at first, and I knew that this couldn't be anything that was sloppy because you're actually, people are trusting you to represent him back there. So if you go back there, there's a clear pulpit, and that clear pulpit has a host behind it. That host is there, and they say to that person, and there's a couch over here, there's two couches, and there's, that's almost like a little waiting area. Why did you come back here? Well, I'd like to prayer. I actually had the word of knowledge about my eyeball. Oh, okay, hold on just a second. And then there's this little, like, what are those little wall divider things? Two chairs, wall divider, two chairs, wall divider, wall divider, two chairs, two chairs, two chairs, two chairs, two chairs, like that. Filled with people that are actually facing outwards and a chair facing inwards. So that if you're the person who goes in there, you feel like you're actually in a small room, but the back's open, right? We have a deliverance guy back there. We always keep a deliverance guy back there because sometimes things can get a little buggy, right? <laughs> so there's a, there's a deliverance guy back there. Uh, a lot of them are, are really good at healing. Another person's really good at encouraging words. So their gifts are known, and that host knows their gifts. So when that host turns around to see who's available, they'll either say to the person, can you give us one second? I'm going to put you with uh, Molly over here. Or, hold on, Michael's open. Would you go and take a seat with Michael? That person goes over, sits down. They receive prayer. And then Michael interviews that person and says, is the pain gone? Was there healing? Did this happen? No, would you mind if I prayed again? Go ahead, okay. Is it still there? No, it came down slightly. Would you mind if we prayed again to see if it comes down anymore? Yeah, go ahead. So they pray. And then they pray as long as that person is healed or until they feel uncomfortable. The moment that that person feels uncomfortable, they're released, right? The last thing we do is say, hey, everybody, come over here. Lay your hands on this guy. You know what I mean? We, we want to love them well. We want them to feel comfortable. And our people are trained to read people's faces and know when enough is enough, right? Half, because we actually keep track of the healings, half are instant. So if people go back there, there's a 50% chance that they're going to be healed on the spot because we actually keep track of this stuff and are bothered when it gets lower than 50. You know what I mean? The best we've ever seen. We've had some Sundays where every single person went back there and got healed. We had one Sunday where nobody showed up to prayer meeting on Tuesday and nobody got healed the next day. And so we took that as a sign that we, I do, I do prayer meeting on Tuesdays at my church. It's the only other thing that I do besides preaching is I do prayer meeting and I lead prayer. The only reason I lead prayer on Tuesdays is because if God doesn't show up, we're dead meat. Because we constantly take risks openly in front of people and need God to show up. Now we don't mind looking like idiots. You know what I mean? But we constantly put ourselves in a position, if God doesn't show up, this was an epic failure. 
So that's kind of how our, and then after that, we go through three more songs, then a host comes back up, does the host thing, then the video announcements play, and then when they're done, I'm already up there and I'm ready to teach. That's the flow of our service, but it used to not be like that. The reason I changed it was because I just got so sick of not hearing testimony and I wanted to see God move. And I, I knew if we didn't have a system to accompany the Holy Spirit, we wouldn't have testimony every week. Well, now we have testimony every week because there's a system in place in which people have said yes to God moving through them so that we could hear testimony. Do you guys get it? So it's like, Whatever God's telling you guys to do or however, however he's telling you guys to move forward, it might not look like what it looks like now, but man, I want a system that supports what he's doing. And what I used to do is this. Oh man, God was really moving in that last season. I can't wait for that next season when God moves. And it's like, well, no, I, I, while he was moving, I should have built a system to support the movement of God, but I didn't. I didn't know I was supposed to. And, and he was there, and his grace was there for a time. And then all of a sudden, it doesn't feel like there's as many testimonies. Well, why isn't there testimonies? Well, people aren't taking as many risks anymore. Why aren't they taking any risks? There's no place for them to. Right? So build a system that allows people to take risks so that people can experience it. Like, so you do um, you know, prayer on, on Wednesdays, and it's like, um, like take, take risks. Like, take massive risks. You know, with it, not and, and explain yourself. So, don't don't be weird in front of your guests. Explain what you're doing. You know what I mean. But still, continue to take risks so that God has a chance to move through people, if that makes sense. You know. So, um, that's that's what I, I I figured out a way to systematically incorporate words of knowledge into our service, and I think God loves it because now He communicates through my intercessors. The intercessors, intercessors communicate to my tech, my tech director, uh, my communications director, who makes the slide for my tech director. And so all, there's a system in place to support that gift of the Spirit. Okay, And I'm not done supporting systems that are going to support the gifts of the Spirit, because I believe God wants to move through them. But if we keep doing what we're doing, then we'll never create the things that he's calling us to create. Everybody okay? All right, I don't hear any amens. Just see wide-eyed stares. All right. So going back to why do you need a sanctuary sign? Just so that person knows where the sanctuary is. They don't have to second guess. They don't have that feeling of, okay, where do I go now? It's like, oh, right there. Sanctuary, bathrooms, kids check-in. Those are the three signs you need. Kids check-in, we don't have kids ministry. You're going to get one. You're going to have a kids check-in table. You're going to have a really cool security system. I don't know how you're going to do it, but you're going to figure that out. You're going to have bathroom signs telling people where the bathrooms are and a sign pointing this way to tell them where the sanctuary is. And if, a security system? A really, really cool security system. A, a kid's check-in system. Ah, to keep kids secure. Care, okay. yeah. So for the children. Yep, yep. So that when parents drop off their kids, they feel like their kids are safe and somebody else isn't going to pick up their kids. Yeah. Right? And people like seeing security. We, we have a security team. I told you about how they guard the coffee at our church. They guard the coffee and make sure nobody takes the Keurig machine. <laughs> no one's ever stolen our Keurig machine. It's still there to this day. This is, let me just tell you, this is, this is when it got cool. Whenever we began to make our adjustments for our guests, we had um, 52 baptisms take place in two months. Okay? 
Because it's almost like you, like you hit a, we hit like a gold, you know how like gold is like a, uh, like a river, like a strip of it, you know, and you can follow it. Once somebody got saved, um, yeah, like once a week, like we hit a patch of gold and, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit, because we're all about honoring the Holy Spirit and we honor the Spirit through humility, our values are, are humility. This is just really near and dear to my heart. So you have a vision, which is where you're going. You have a mission, is how you're doing, how you're going to accomplish the vision, or how you're going to get there. Your values are your code of conduct on your way there. Okay. So, because I kept saying to myself, I said, "How can I get more of the presence of God in my church?" It has to say it in the Bible somewhere. How do you, how do you draw God near to yourself? Does anybody know? What, what is it? Yeah, so draw near to me and I will draw near to you or humble yourself before the Lord. So I was sitting there one day and I was like, okay. So I want more of God at our church. So I have to figure out how to humble myself, right? Which is what you guys are doing right now, which is pretty cool. So I was like, what, are, what, what, is, what does it mean to humble myself? And I started to think about just some basic things. Generosity is a form of humility. It's the humility of the wallet, Right? Excellence is a form of humility because you're doing it onto the Lord, right? Training is a form of humility because you're, not, you're saying, I'm not there yet. You guys following me? Serving is a form of humility because you're putting others before yourself. And I, I begin to sit there and say to myself, okay, well, what else? Well, devotion is a form of humility because you're saying God first, Right? And I began to put together um, oh, this is the last one. Humility of the mouth. That's the hardest one for people, typically, is to be honest. And um, it's very hard for leaders to be honest with the people that are under them that what they're doing isn't good enough. It's hard to be honest with people. You know? Yeah, yeah. And um, so I said, if we can somehow, if we can have, you know, you know what Bill Johnson claims revival came to Bethel? Do you remember why? It was generosity. He said a lot of people think that the Spirit came to our church because of revival. The Spirit came to our church because people began to lay down and give so much of their money and the Spirit showed up. That's how revival started at Bethel, according to Bill Johnson, was generosity. Excellence is the ability to say, I'm not doing this for Gateway, and I'm not doing this for Tim. I'm doing this for the Lord. Anything less than excellence isn't good. It's got to be excellent because it's not for Tim. It's not for Gateway. It's not for this. You guys aren't a part of a denomination, are you? We are. It's not for the denomination. We're going to honor those people because God put them there for a reason. But everything I do inside of this church is going to be done for, with excellence because it's onto the Lord. Yeah. And then I'm, I'm going to have humility because I'm not done yet. And I want to train because I want to become a better leader, a better disciple, a better whatever, because I'm not finished yet. And this, the Holy Spirit isn't done leading me and guiding me into truth. I'm going to serve because I'm going to deny myself and I'm going to put others first. I'm going to be devoted. I'm going to seek the Lord myself. I'm going to do my own prayer devotions in which I'm meeting with the Lord in the morning. Seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added unto you. And I'm going to have the strength and power to be honest with people because I don't need people to like me. 
I'm not called for people to like me. I'm called to love them. And to love people calls you to be honest with them. If you can't be honest with people, it's because you value yourself more than them. Right? So these things, if you can't be honest with people, then you don't really love them. You love the relationship more than them. You know what I mean? So I put these things. I said, guys, this is part of our relaunch. I said, these are our values moving forward. These are why our values are this. All my staff, if you were to ask them, we have a, uh, a wheel on Fortunate. Have you guys ever seen uh, Dude Perfect? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? They have a wheel on Fortunate. One of the things is own a cat. You know, that's like an unfortunate thing that could happen to you. I know, I'm sorry. But um, one of them is like shave your eyebrows and all this stuff. We have a wheel on Fortunate at our staff. And once in a while, I'll come in there. I'll say, write our six values down on a piece of paper. The person who can't write them down, and this is what they always do, because our values are humility. Someone will always say humility instead of honesty. They have to spin the wheel on Fortunate. And one of those things is clean out the kitchen fridge. And you don't want to clean out our kitchen fridge. And one of them is to restock the, uh, the uh, first aid kits. And one of them is to go and reorganize the janitor's closet. You do not want to spin that wheel. So you want to memorize our values so you don't have to. I hope somebody knows what they're doing. <laughs> reorganize the janitor's closet and screw everybody up. Yeah, I know. It happens. OK. So everybody on your leadership team should be able to say, generosity, excellence, training, service, Yeah. These are all aspects of humility. So that's humility of the wallet. That's humility of, of, of doing. That's humility of the mind, humility of the hands, um, humility of the heart, humility of the mouth. right? And through that, incorporating that, because I want individuals that are going to make these their values so that God is drawn near to them so that when we gather together, God is drawn near to us. Does that make sense? OK. All right. So you might say, well, what's, what's going to happen then, like after this weekend? Well, after, after this weekend, I asked Tim to give me till Saturday. I'm putting together a church assessment. And a church assessment is simply, OK, this is what I saw. This is what I experienced. And then I'm going to put together a bunch of suggestions. And this is what I suggest you guys do moving forward. And as a, as a group, or as, as a leadership team, you guys are going to decide what it is, what suggestions you want to take, what suggestions you're like, ah, that was just that guy or whatever. But then you guys are going to begin to accomplish a task list. I'm still working on my task list, task list that my assessment coach gave me. Right? And I was telling you. You what? When did uh, Praise receive that task list? Oh, 18 months ago. 18, so you're working, you've been working on it for 18 months. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I gave myself two years to do everything on the list. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we got through a quarter of the list and started to see fruit immediately. Um, the, one, the one comment he said, he goes, your one stairwell looks like a crack den. Wow. He goes, you might want to consider like painting it. And like all the, uh, the paint was peeled. And I was like, this does look like a crack den. It's like one of the stairwells that nobody uses. 